Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today we speak with Alex Black, who's the CEO of Rio2, their Chilean gold explorer and developer. The market has lost a little bit of faith in Rio2 of late, and Alex explains his new plan to get things moving forward. Uh, which involves a reduced feasibility plan, uh, a solution for getting water to site, and some ambitious plans for this year. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, Alex. How are you, sir? Hi, Matt. How's things? Not bad, not bad. Now, now tell me you're not up a mountain somewhere, are you? Um, should be. Um, it would be uh, the uh, ultimate uh, form of isolation. But uh, no, that's our... Phoenix Gold project in the background there, right. and uh, you can see the uh, the tops of the hills that we'll be mining. Yeah, there they are. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great uh, photo. It gives some perspective to what we're trying to do and 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 where we're operating. Okay. Well, why don't we do the usual thing? Kick off. Give us that one minute overview for people new to this story, and then I'll pick it up from there. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, Rio2 is a company that is advancing the Phoenix Gold Project, which is located in the Maracunga region of Chile, to production uh, and construction first to production. Uh, next year, construction is uh, um, guided for Q4. And what we have at Phoenix is the largest undeveloped gold heat bleach project in the Americas. Um, with 5 million ounces of gold in M&I at $1,500. Um, it is the largest gold heat bleach project in the Americas. There is nothing else like this. North America, Central America, South America, we've got it. Um, and just to set a bit of a precedent for, for you today, and maybe a little bit of a gift, I know that you had some issues uh, a couple of months ago where um, you were interviewing somebody and you wanted to find out a little bit more detail about what they were earning, how many shares they had, uh, how much money they'd put in the company, etc. So I'm going to set a bit of a precedent and actually tell you my position. So I'm a founder of Rio2. I have about 15 million shares, uh, which I have paid for. I have invested a total of 2.5 million Canadian dollars of cash, no bonus shares. These Aussies are lovely, you know, in Australia, they get all these bonus shares given to them along the way. Um, we don't do that. Um, I bought all my shares, so two and a half million dollars. Um, I pay myself, well, I don't pay myself, my compensation committee pays me, but it's $300,000 a year. Uh, and just also to, explain that my focus is 100% on Rio2. I don't sit on any other boards and I'm not in any other advisory committees or anything like that. So I think I'm telling you this because I think all CEOs should. I mean, some CEOs are hired guns, so they shouldn't be embarrassed about, you know, the fact that they may not have a lot of skin in the game, but they should declare it. But anyway, investors need to know that on CEDAR for Canadian companies, Every year, there's a management information circular uh, prepared. It's filed on CEDAR in preparation for the annual general meeting. And in that document, 
that's where people like me have to declare how many shares we have, what what we get paid, etc. So it's no secret, really. Uh, so I don't know why any CEO wouldn't want to tell you this, but uh, I've done it, and hopefully I've set a precedent for other CEOs to to put it on the line as well. Alex, thank you very much. That's the first. You've stolen a bit of my thunder, but I think that is fantastic of you to be that blunt because not many shareholders go and do the hard work. Um, you've got a lot of skin in the game and you've paid market. Obviously, I got cheaper stock. Uh, you know, I was in the story early, so I'm, you know, I'm not hiding that at all. Uh, I think my average price was just over 20 cents. Uh, you know, uh, for, for the stock that I've got. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I did okay in the early days, but I've got lots of skin in the game. Mm. $2.5 million is a real money. Um, and, um, you know, I'm going to make this thing work. And we're going to make all our shareholders, including myself, many, 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 many more times value than what we are today. Okay, I, I, I love that. Like I say, it's a first... Let's move on and talk about what you've got. Okay, so last time we spoke, um, we we talked about the fact that Rio 2 had been a little bit of a darling. Your shares were up around 250-ish, 260-ish back in the back in the day, you know, and you know today they're sort of sitting around sort of the mid mid 40s. Okay, the the market has lost faith with the project, and we talked about the two reasons. One was the fact that you've changed the feasibility plan and the second was issues with water so can you do me a favor can you explain to me i know you inherited the previous the feasibility um why did you change it remind me why you changed it can i can i just go back a little bit before sure. i answer that question mm -hmm. um yeah look when we started rio 2 um we were uh, we took over a shell prospector resources it was called uh, there was a bit of hype. Obviously, people thought, okay, you know, Alex Black and his team are back. And our share price ran up to $1.80 uh, on the back of nothing because we didn't have anything. We actually put together a shell with some cash before we found a project. Uh, since then, you're correct. We've gone from that $1.80 down to uh, $0.45 cents today. Uh, I think we bottomed out at about $0.15 cents a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was. Yeah, you're back up. Yeah. Uh, and And... And yes, the buck stops with me. And yes, it's my responsibility to turn that around. But I just want to reveal something to, to you and also to, to people that are listening. Um, we have done some research and we're very confident that we're a victim of naked shorting of our stock. Um, we are doing more research and we're going to take specific action related to that. Now, everybody knows there's short selling uh, that occurs in stocks and typically you borrow shares and within two days you've got to um, return those shares back. Naked shorting is where you never return the shares back. And in actual fact, there's shares that are manufactured uh, out of nowhere. Uh, it's electronic. It happens electronically. So, um, there's a group called Save Canadian Mining, and their website is savecanadianmining.com. Uh, Terry Lynch is a guy that, uh, that runs that. And he has several founders and sponsors uh, uh, of that website. And it's all about 
stopping this naked shorting because it's illegal. Basically, it's illegal, although the authorities in Canada um, say that it's not happening. They just think that, no, we've checked, it's not happening, but it is. Um, and people that are helping Terry with the cause, Eric Sprott, Sean Rusin, um, uh, Rob McEwen, um, and uh, you've got some key industry figures there that have recognized that this is a problem. Now, this doesn't just happen to uh, microcap junior resource companies. It happens to all sorts of companies listed in Canada and also listed in, in the US. So I just want to say that that's not an excuse, but it's something that's been happening. No, I'm, I'm aware of it. No, and thanks for bringing it to our attention. We, we actually have a couple of companies suffering from the same thing at the moment, which we talk to on a regular basis. But when you're saying that, Terry is going to do something about it. What can he do if no one's recognizing he, that as a thing? He, he, yeah, um, it's through examples like ours where we've got uh, investigators looking at the uh, the trading patterns behind the scenes of, of our stock. Um, he is going to lobby groups like IROC and the CSA, Canadian Securities uh, Association, he's going to lobby those guys and he's going to put, you know, credible case forward and expose that this is going on, so, right? Mm -hmm. And it's all about stopping it. It's not about stopping shorting of stocks. I mean, that's a normal thing that happens as part of business, been around for, for donkey's years. It's all about stopping the naked shorting. Right. So I think I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Right let's not. Now. Let's not. But I, yeah, it's a great I topic. Want, yeah, I wanted to put that out there. I think people who don't understand what I've just been talking about should go to the website. Um, we, uh, we, we, will. we will. We will. And we will investigate it for our audience. But let's get back to you. Right. So let's go back. Yeah. Let's go backwards. So, so um, water. Water. We'll start with the um, business plan. Is, Can you start with the business plan? For, uh, inside oh, okay. The, so, the, original, the original business plan, sorry, Matt, uh, the original business plan for this asset, which was prepared by Atacama Pacific, which was the previous owner, was to build a big project. And when I say a big project, I'm talking about 80,000 tons a day of, of, of water pad, uh, spending about $400 million on CapEx and uh, producing about uh, 225, 230,000 ounces of gold a year. So that all sounds fine. It's ultimately doable. Um, we've spent, you know, the last 20 months, that's how long we've, we've owned this asset. We've looked at it and yes, that's doable, but we didn't want to start there uh, because $400 million, our market value today is $80 million. So we can't afford $400 million. I mean, it's a fact of life. So we've scaled the project right down to a point where we can get it off the ground. And the other thing we've done is we focused on reducing the capex to the lowest possible amount and also accelerating the project as quickly as we can. Now, to achieve that, one of the key things that we did from a water perspective is we decided let's forget about the traditional way of applying for water rights, going through that permitting process and pulling water from the ground. That typically takes, from the time you apply for rights to getting permitted water, takes in Chile somewhere between, you know, on average about five years, right? We can't wait. We've got a 
high metal uh, gold price right now. We just can't wait. So we said to ourselves, what can we do to get this project up and running? And we picked a starter production rate of 20,000 tonnes a day. And we said, that will work. That'll get us to a run rate of about 100,000, 90,000, 100,000 ounces uh, a year. But we'll bring that water up from the nearest regional centre, Kopiapo, which is 140 kilometres away by truck. And it works, right? Some people have thought about that and gone, hell. And one thing people should know is we've got a new corporate presentation on our website. It's got a couple of new slides that, that elaborates a little bit more on water. Um, people have gone, oh shit, so it's just like a pipeline of trucks. You know, they just can see this stream of trucks going up the road. No, it's a truck every 20 minutes that leaves the, the town of Kopiapo that goes up there. It's a 30 ton tanker, like a, a fuel tanker. So it's, it's easily doable. Um, secondly, people have said, well, you're going to truck from Kopiapo through there. When you go through Kopiapo and there's traffic and there's problems, what are you going to do about that? And in, that in the new presentation, you'll see we show a couple of routes that we can take either through town or around town. So um, I think it's an elegant solution for a, for a complex problem. Uh, a, a, not a problem, I guess, a complex process. And what it does is it gets us started and gets us to production. What, what are we doing today? We're actually talking to people that have water rights in and around where we operate, because at some point we are going to stop using trucks because you know we want to use trucks for the shortest possible time that we can, and then um, dovetail into another solution and a bigger solution where we can expand this project. Right, so something, does something yeah, it, it does answer the question. And for, it, you've stolen a lot of my questions uh, from me, but <laughs> it's, it's a great, a great answer. Um, can you tell me what you've done around understanding the economics for the short-term water solution, i.e., the trucking solution? Do you understand those yet? Have you done a full, uh, some kind of study on that? Yeah, we've done, we've done from from uh, um, you know from grassroots. We've built up a costing of what it will cost to truck the water from Kopiapo to the project. And I can tell you now, and it's in the PFS that's filed on CEDAR, it's $14 a tonne, around $14, okay. a few cents more. So it's in there. Our ASIC that we showed in the PFS was $1,000. It's all baked into that. So okay. It's all there. So that's a firm. That's a that's a firm number. Okay, I get it. I also get the fact that you want to start, and the the chances of funding a four hundred million dollar project versus a hundred million dollar capex project is very very different. Um, in even in a high uh, you know bull gold market. So. Um, can you just tell me, give me some sort of sense of the timing of all of this? Because again, if I, I'm just looking at the share price, you, you forget the dip of the last you know month or so. Everyone's experienced that. You're back up to where you were, which has been a pretty steady state for about the last year or year and a half. Um, you've got to start driving that. And I think that can only come if you regain the faith of the market. So now you've, you've got your uh, PFS, 
you've fully costed the water component and it, it's a elegant solution which allows you to start sooner what next what are you doing next are you do you need to go and find well, the money what's happening? yeah well let's go back to the money side um you know if i if if, if we were looking to fund this company uh, in the short term i would be worried um the good thing is and once again uh, it's in the in the, it's in the updated presentation uh we finished the year last year with working capital of about 16 million canadian dollars that we have said and we have actually said in a couple of press releases because we put out a couple of press releases which we'll talk about um, in the last couple of weeks um, that we have enough funding to take us through to the end of q2 next year mm -hmm. so even though the share price is a is a problem right now mm -hmm. uh, it's something that we think as time progresses we'll be able to work upon and get that um, value up um, in regards to where are we at, um, we just filed, our latest press release was about our filing of the EIA for the project. That is a milestone for us. Uh, we had to start from scratch when we took on this project, didn't even have an environmental baseline study done. So we completed that baseline study in January of this year. We prepared an environmental impact assessment study, which we filed with the Chilean authorities last Friday. Mm -hmm. So how long is that going to take? We, we with our consultants and, and, and our understanding of the complexity of our study, which is very simple in relative terms, because we have a leach project, we have no tailings, we're pulling no water from the ground. It's a very simple process. So we're guiding 12 to 14 months for the appraisal and the approval of the EIA, which will be end of Q2 next year. And during the EIA process, we'll be applying for certain permits. After the EIA is approved, we'll be finalizing permitting and we expect to receive our construction permit in about October of next year, uh, which will then push us into construction um, and uh, that's really good because that's the start of the summer season. So we, we get to enjoy uh, good weather uh, uh, for, for the commencement of construction. How do we get to that point? Because we filed the EIA, we have started our finance uh, process. We are talking to financiers right now. Uh, we're gauging interest in financing this project. And I, I can tell you quite confidently, we're not going to have a problem to finance this project. So during this year, hopefully before the end of the year, sometime in, in, in the second half of the year, we'll be able to come back to the market and say, this is our financial plan. Um, and uh, my focus, because of what we're going through with the low valuation right now and the low share price, my focus is on leveraging the company up as much as I can uh, and as sensibly as I can, uh, based on the fact that interest rates are the lowest they've ever been. The gold price is nearly as high as it's ever been. Um, and we should be in a position where we can capitalize on that. Does that answer your question? It, it does. But here's, when you were talking there, you, you reminded me, your track record is pretty 
darn good, right? And people bought and backed Alex Black and your track record. Is that yes. same Alex Black still here today? Do you believe in your project? Do you, oh, I know you've got a lot of money invested, but do you believe you can get this to the finish line? Most definitely. I mean, this, you know, we built two gold mines in the last 10 years. That was La Reina and Showindo in our, in our iteration as uh, Rio Alto. This has all the hallmarks, all the characteristics, although in different geography, in a different geographical setting, to what we did in the past. So we're, we're super confident. The simplicity of the project, the characteristics of the project, I mean, and, and also this is the first time we've started with a resource base of 5 million ounces on any of our projects because the other two projects started off small. We didn't even know what the future of those would hold. So, um, and one other thing I want to talk about is, and, and it, once again, going back to our new slide deck, which you'll find on our website, um, there's a page there where we do a comparative. And we don't do a comparative with our um, development peers. Why? Because I reckon it's, excuse me, it's bullshit. Um, because at the end of the day, most of those development peers will, will not execute and will not be building a mine anytime soon. So what I've done is I've compared ourselves to two like existing mines. And those two mines are Marigold in Nevada, which belongs to Silver Standard, and Mesquite, which is in California and belongs to Equinox Gold. If you look at their both gold heap leach projects, very similar characteristics, very, you know, a, a little less grade than what we have at the moment. Um, we have a, a better, a much better, a high, they have higher strip ratio than we have. Uh, we have a lot longer mine life and, um, you know, same sort of uh, recoveries, metallurgical recoveries. So very similar projects. And that's what our comparative is. And the best one for me in that group or in that group of two is Marigold because Marigold produces 200,000 ounces a year at the moment for Silver Standard and carries half the market value of the company. The market value of Silver Standard today is $3 billion. So Marigold as a 200,000 ounce per annum gold heap lease project in Nevada carries about a billion and a half bucks of value for that company. That is where we're headed. That is why I'm excited. That's why I'm motivated to make this thing work because it is, it is one of those types of projects. Now, we're going to start at 100,000 ounces. But when you look at the expansion potential of this project, once we find additional water, which we haven't found yet, we will announce that when we, when we find something uh, that, that, that will suit, um, we can get the production rate of this asset up to two to 300,000 ounces a year. So that's why I'm super confident we're going to get this project off the ground and we're going to uh, replicate what the successes those two companies have had with those two assets. Okay. Remind me again, what, apart from the EIA, what else are you worried about? Not, not that much. Um, let me just talk about another announcement we made about a week ago. We announced we bought some uh, uh, nearby uh, 
infrastructure to our project. Um, that was announced the week before last. Um, we paid one and a half million dollars for an old processing plant that is located about 20 kilometers from our project at an altitude of 3,200 meters. Our project's at uh, 4,500 to 4,900. So it's really interesting, this infrastructure at 3,200, you drive 20 kilometers and you go up a, almost a, a kilometer and a half. Um, but that infrastructure is an old processing plant no mine related. I mean, the mines have all been extinguished and they were external to the package that we bought. Um, uh, old processing plant, which really we're not going to use either because we, it's a 700 tonne a day plant. It's not Why'd you buy need. it? Why'd we buy it? Okay. In the presentation, you'll see why, but I'll explain now for three things. There's a, a camp there, which we've been renting while we've been doing work uh, field work at the project from the previous owner. We've been renting it. Um, that camp can be refurbished and be utilized as our construction camp. So that will save on some capex and also some timing. And the other two critical uh, pieces are connection to the power grid. They are connected to the grid and we will eventually, after we start our project, because we will start our project with generators, um, and, and then after we get started, we will then connect to the grid, but there's a connection to the grid there uh, at, that, at that plant. And, and second and thirdly, water. There's some underground water permitted. It's only five litres a second at, at this moment. And five litres a second actually covers about 20% of our water requirements for what we would have had to truck up the road. So therefore, we're making a saving on water costs uh, saving on future power costs. And I can tell you that that one and a half million dollars that we spent buying that will translate to tens of millions of dollars of operating cost savings over the life of the project. So, you know, we're being smart about what, what we do. We also sent a signal to, to everybody that we're serious. You know, we're gonna build this project. And uh, we now have some very valuable infrastructure next door to it and we're going to go from there. Well, I think you sent a serious message to everybody in the industry. I think people think you're putting all the right things in place to build it, but the market's not listening at the moment. So what are they missing? What are they missing? I've had people ask me that. I've just attended the World Golf Forum. It's been a conference that's been done virtually. It should have been done in Zurich and, and we've done it virtually. It was pretty successful. A lot of people ask me and I said, well, you know, unfortunately, my name's not Lundin, it's not Beatty, and it's not Lasson. And if you look at anything that those guys are involved with, they've got super valuations, etc. You know, they've all done it before, they've all created value before, and they have, you know, so I've got no beef against that. But when it comes to Alex Black, it's like, mm, is he going to really do this? You know, is he, is he for real? Because was that stuff that he did in Peru an accident or real? So unfortunately, I have to deal with that. Um, we're, you know, we've, we're not going to be in production next, you know, like tomorrow or six months or 18 months. We're going to be starting construction in 18 months. So for some people, it's not going to give them the fix they want. You know, people are flooding into this market at the producer level. Some is coming down to the developer level, particularly those names that I, I just mentioned to you. Um, and eventually it'll, it'll flow. 
I mean, I'm quite confident that this time next year, we'll be talking about a different looking Rio 2 from a Bali perspective. Um, but that's my job. Buck stops with me. Totally agree with you. If you look at our share price, I have not performed from that perspective. But I think from an execution perspective, and this is not me, this is my team. Uh, we've got a fantastic team here in Lima that's uh, been pushing this project ahead. Um, we, will, we will demonstrate that we'll translate that execution and delivery into value. Okay. I believe you. Alex, you need to speak to me more because I like what you're doing. I can see the steps you're taking. I think you need to talk to the market and share what you're doing with them because the base, the basic fundamentals of this company are very strong from what from our reading of it. Um, you just need to execute on those stepping stones between now and eighteen months, um, and I and I do believe you will see. Yeah, and you know, you know, Matthew. The other thing that frustrates the shit out of me, really. And sorry, I'm I'm dropping a few uh, swear words here, but I think the uh, people that watch these videos are strong enough to handle them. Um, the other thing that frustrates me is that we we don't exist. If you look at any mining analysts report, and we're not, you know, we know how it works. You've got to pay the street to be covered by analysts and all that. We're covered by one analyst, Cormark. We did financing with them last year. The analysts just walked out of the door. So I think we're not covered by Cormark anymore. So zero analysts. Um, but what I want to say is that I've looked at a lot of analytical reports on other developers belonging to some of those names that I mentioned to you. And we don't even appear on the comp sheet, like comparable assets. We don't exist. But I can tell you, and I want to tell shareholders or potential investors, this happened to us at Rio Alto. It's a carbon copy. And I don't know why it's happening again, because we've had the track record. But we appeared nowhere when we were Rio Alto. We raised all our money for Rio Alto in the early days in Peru and Chile. And then we did a financing in Canada when we were in construction. And it wasn't until then that we got recognition in Canada and we had a flood of analysts cover us, etc. We only did one financing with Rio Alto, a $50 million financing. We never did anything else in Canada apart from the $50 million financing. Remind me, what did that, what did that build up to? What was Rio Alto at its peak? $1.2 billion. Okay. $1.2 That's not a bad day. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a good example. In Rio Alto, we raised a total in equity, Peru, Chile, Canada, of $80 million during the whole life from 2009 to 2005. The rest we borrowed and we funded from cash flow and we built a company to $1.2 billion. That's the sort of people we are. Now, you can look at the share price. I'm frustrated as all hell about it as well, but we will get there. And it's happened before and I've seen it happen before and people would, were telling us we would never get there and we did. And we're going to do it again. Brilliant. Alex, I appreciate your time today. It's lovely to catch up with you again. I mean, we, we spoke a couple of months ago. Um, things have moved forward. You know, I'd love to see them move forward more. Do talk to us. Pick up the phone. Let us know what's going on, okay? 
And I will, and uh, I hope also that uh, CEOs follow my precedent and declare um, uh, what they put into their various companies. Don't be embarrassed. Once again, if you're a hired gun, okay, you know, you get paid a salary, you're there because you've delivered, you may not hold a lot of shares, that's fine. Nobody's going to hold that against you, but uh, just declare what you, what you hold. Thank you. Thanks again, Alex. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.